0: Alright, welcome to the Craft Beer Talk Show, episode 3. I'm your host, Matt Sausch, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, He may need no introduction, but if you haven't listened to Three Guys in a Pool Shed, then he maybe does. Welcome, one of my best friends, my favorite co-host, and a lover of IPAs, Ryan Bond. I'm just happy to be here. Um,
1: I do love a nice IPA. Uh, I have co-hosted a podcast before. And to be known as your favorite co-host means a lot because, as you know, if you've listened to our other podcast, me and the other hosts tend to disagree on a lot of things, mainly um, life in general. So, so. Now,
0: just in case I have Noah on the podcast, you might hear me say that he's my favorite co-host. I just want you to know that I don't mean that. Yeah, I
1: know that because I know Noah won't listen to this. <laughs> yeah. um, so, therefore you can say that and admit it. And if you ever tell, I give you permission to say that and I won't be
0: offended. Okay, so perfect. So before we dive uh, into the topic we'll be discussing today, tell us a little about your history with craft beer. So tell us uh, where did it kind of all begin for you? Where did you have your first craft beer? uh, If you have a favorite and what pushes you to choose craft over macro? I can repeat any of those questions again. If so I think
1: a- I think I'm just going to tell a story here. OK, and great. my story is really just going to come back to the start of me drinking beer in the first place. Wow. And I all started in my early days where I got a piece of advice from somebody after I drank my first couple of beers and they said, learn to love the cheapest beer you can because university gets expensive. Um, I took that advice to heart. I ended up starting to love cheap beer whenever I'd party. I drink really cheap beer, all this stuff. My love for craft beer started about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. when I got my first big boy job. Wow! I started making some money, and I started realizing there is more than just Laker Ice out there. Yeah, I'm there's a- more than just Bush Ice. There's more than just <laughs> Natty Ice. Big Ice guy. Big. It was, dude. It, it was all about that 5.5%. You need that extra 0.5% to really get you where you want to be. Um, and I mean it was just a it was a big change when i when i did this. so i got into it when i moved out west for my first job. i started liking craft beers. uh was kind of out of my party phase. so when i'm drinking a beer now, i like to enjoy it rather than just consume it as quickly as i can. and that's kind of turned into this love for craft beer where when i was first buying craft beers, i would never buy the same beer twice. Okay. i would buy a that's bunch good. of different ones and then i wouldn't write it down. i wouldn't keep a list or anything, but there would be a time where i'd double take the can and be like, i got to remember this one. And ever since then, I've just kept experimenting with different craft beers, but now I do have my favorite ones out there. And uh, whenever I'm really, really trying to enjoy a nice beer, I make sure to buy some of my favorite craft beers and kind of, that's, that's kind of what brought me here.
0: So I know this might be a uh, hard question to answer because when people ask me my favorite things, I seem to always forget them. But if you can tell us a few of your favorites, unless you have an ultimate favorite, then just tell us that one. But if you have a few favorites... Let's hear
1: them. Uh, currently, right now, uh, I'm really into just just to shout out some breweries. Uh, Lost Craft, that's out of Toronto. Um, Ace Hill, that's another one I'm really enjoying You're right now. Uh, yeah, really enjoying that one right now. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of like a specific yeah, beer hard. that's calling my name because they're always so different. And usually, the craft beer names are very like unique. And they all tend to tend to uh, blend together. But right now, I'm really into nice hazy
0: IPAs and wheat beers. Well, that's perfect. because I I also like to dabble in the sour beers. Ooh, I'm not a big sour guy. I mean, I'll have to do an episode eventually on sour beers. And I know there's a big market out there and people love it. And actually, a fun fact about sour beers is they used to be very popular. Um, It wasn't until now recent that they're starting to kind of resurface, um, which is... Actually, the truth for a lot of different beers, and I'm going to dive into that now. So, we are going to be talking about IPAs today. So, I know you, obviously, um, and I know you are a big fan of the hazy IPA, like you just mentioned. So, more or less, the focus of this episode is on um, IPAs in general, um, but. For you, I especially picked one, um, like I said on episode one, and I think I rementioned mentioned in episode two, I always like to focus on what's really local, and for people that are listeners who are extremely local to the GTA area, um, Toronto, Canada, this is maybe exciting for you. So today, I won't, I won't reveal it yet, because it's going to be a big surprise for you. you. You might have actually even had it. I hope you haven't, but uh, we'll see. I'm looking at the
1: can in front of me right now. Okay. And I can tell you, I have never had this beer.
0: Wow. Okay, good. That's a treat for me. Um, it, it is very popular, but uh, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to do a little breakdown right now of exactly what IPAs are. So IPAs are one of the biggest beers, um, honestly, if not the most popular beer to, to surface within the craft market. Would you agree with that? Uh, I would say so, yeah. Okay, so before we dive into the whole like craft side of things... Uh, I want to actually just break down what exactly is an IPA. Now, I think you could probably answer this question. But What does IPA stand for? I
1: believe, if I'm not mistaken, an India Pale Ale. Wow. If I had a prize, I'd give it
0: to you. Thank you. But uh, you're probably thinking you know pale ale. If you're you're a beer person, you know pale ale. And what does India have to do with anything? Well, what's the difference? Well, pale ale... Um, is the name of the family that IPA falls under. And pale ales um, are ales that uh, essentially are brewed with a pale malt. And that helps balance uh, the ratio between the malt and the hops. Um, Actually, in most cases within an an IPA, they become a lot more hops forward um, rather than um, uh, malt forward like a standard ale would be. And that's kind of the whole point. Um, And that's why IPAs are kind of the hoppy uncle of uh, the pale ale, so by standard, they traditionally are higher in alcohol by volume. Uh, that's something I kind of actually I want to I want to reflect on this piece right here because I have sort of this vendetta um, with a particular macro-sized brewery um, who they who they brew a beer and they they say that they are uh, an India pale ale. Can you guess which beer this is? I'm gonna go ahead and say
1: that it would be. Alexander Keith's. Wow.
0: You are on the ball today. They seem to really pride themselves on being an India Pale Ale. So they definitely pride themselves. Now, I've always known uh, an India Pale Ale by uh, description to be over 5.5%. And they can go – they can get pretty high in uh, alcohol by volume. But when you actually look it up and do a lot more research, you'll notice that they – Technically, can be four point five percent, which is fairly low for what you would consider, uh, you know, a powerful IPA or a hoppy beer. So basically, my vendetta is I just don't think, and I, you know, what maybe one day in the future I'll get invited to to the brewery in Nova Scotia, um, and it's going to be awkward because they might slap me in the face. But I just have a vendetta. I don't think they're an IPA, and it. it bugs me that they take pride in calling themselves an IPA. So as
1: someone who's not traditionally, I'm not the most aware of what I'm drinking and stuff. I'm not the biggest taste guy in the entire world. And I say that as in like, I'm not the guy who goes to a restaurant and I'm like, oh, I could tell you exactly what's in this. Like it has slightly too much garlic or slightly too much of this. Like I just either like the food or I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say I like craft beer. When I get a craft beer, oftentimes when I'm like, I really, really want to enjoy this. I don't want to try something new. I'll go with an IPA because I know I love IPAs. I do not like Alexander Keys. They're actually one of the few IPAs I've had that I, I genuinely don't like.
0: So to me, I, I used to be uh, my my profile has kind of changed a little bit, but I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I, on this podcast, I will be reviewing beers based on the style, not necessarily on my preference, um, which I think is only fair to do for the beer. But for me, when I'm when I'm drinking Alexander Keys, if I was to review on it. I would be looking for these bold floral flavors that you would get from an IPA, and I just don't get that. Uh, you know, I get literally just a small percentage of, of hops added to a Bud Light is what I am what I take I, from I it. I was actually going
1: to say, it honestly tastes like a hoppy Bud Light.
0: Like, and I don't even think it's that hoppy, which is fine. Not all IPAs need to be uh, over the tops with Citra or Mosaic hops. Um, that's a little foreshadow for the beer we're going to be tasting today but uh, that's just something I kinda I wanted to get off my chest. And uh, so by definition, they can be all over the place, but in my heart, if it's over 5.5, that, that fits the standard bill for me. Okay, so
1: as someone who likes IPAs, and again, I've said I don't do a lot of research in this, I w- would you mind telling me what is the difference between, I always see West Coast IPA, East Coast IPA, all that stuff, can you tell me what that actually means?
0: So I've actually, I've, I've been a bit prepared. Um, We'll get to that. Okay. We will get to that in this episode because I think this is going to help you um, sort of decipher what you actually like. So anyways, moving on. Like he just said, there's different styles of IPAs. It's West Coast, East Coast, British, New England. Um, British probably being the most popular. Uh, obviously American as well, but British uh, I think trumps all. Let's take a back uh, look back at where it all began. Because back in the day, if you walked into a bar, and I'm talking like way back in the day when like 1700s, uh, you know, 1800s, and you asked for an IPA, they would probably laugh in your face. Now back then, it was really just called ale. That's all they really had. They didn't have all these different varieties. Maybe in, in small towns, small pubs, or pe- brewers were be, uh, would be experimenting, but it was really just one type of traditional style. Um, and ale used to be uh, – The king of beers, like I just said. But a proper proper multi-English ale. Uh, So the British Empire had troops all over the world, um, you know, for wars and whatever, battles. And uh, a big spot where they were stationed was India. Now you're starting to put a couple things together here. So there was a brewer by the name of George Hodgson. Uh, He was from London, and he would export uh, these ales all over, especially India. Uh, And one time he exported uh, a strong pale ale which had tons of extra hops and it was high in alcohol percentage. And part of the reason for this was actually acting as preservatives to to keep the beer fresh for the long journey. So basically what ended up happening was when it arrived, it had brewed into this just new, fragrant, fresh beer that that people loved. But unfortunately for Mr. Hodgson's uh, demise other brewers got wind of it and started to create their own and ultimately it was better and it replaced the beer that hodgson was exporting uh, to the colonies and was named india pale ale makes sense uh the india part just is from where they originally were exporting it and pale ale um, we we know that as a standard beer style so moving forward now uh, the british ended up shipping these beers to the states up until about when Prohibition started happening. Uh, so I think that's 1920. And um, around this time, Europeans were starting to become obsessed with lagers. Um, and also pilsners, which is just a, a breed of lager. And so the fall of ales began. Uh, and especially in the States. Because the only way to get it was bootlegging, um, you know, Prohibition, whatever. But then, uh, in the 1970s, the uprising... Due to uh, the first microbreweries opening up, and I think I think it was California, and I might be wrong. Um, I can't remember. I didn't write it down in my research, but that's where they first started popping up, and and these microbrewers were were reinventing these old styles of beers, and then ale started to come back, and they were reshaped. Um, the IPA now you see all different kinds of styles: dry hop, double dry hop, triple dry hopped. No one even knows what that is, but it's a thing, um, and now you see them. You know sort of all over the world and that's that's the brief history of it. So let's dive in a little bit more to your love specifically for IPA. What is it about the style that you like more than just a plain lager or a pilsner or even just an English ale uh, in general?
1: So I'm gonna come on here and just admit I'm not a beer expert by any means, yeah. and I've already and you admitted, don't have to be, right? I've already admitted I'm not even like a taste expert when it comes to food. Like even going to fancy restaurants for me, it's not worth it. I don't have the best taste buds in the world. I enjoy eating mm-hmm. decent food. I don't enjoy bad food. It's kind of the same with beer, where yeah, I still drink the mainstream beers and stuff here and there, but uh, I definitely have moved into the craft game mainly because I do like. The, I do like the flavor more. I find that when you go with these mainstream beers, oftentimes that it tastes a little watered down or it doesn't taste like there's this, I don't know, it's going to sound weird, but you can taste the passion in a craft beer. You can taste that people are trying to do something different. It's not this mass-made thing. Um, so with an IPA, for me, um, I guess, in a sense, kind of loggers are almost not quite enough flavor in a sense. Like, I find they're not as flavorful, I'll, I'll say. Okay. Where I like having the slight bitterness and hoppiness that an IPA has to offer, uh, and it's not overly powerful. Like, I can still enjoy the beer. I can still have a nice cold beer and, and and kind of taste what I want to taste, but it's not overpowering to me. And I guess that's my way of describing how, why I like an IPA. Oh, and that's
0: a very valid way, and I think, you know, what people can take from what you said is – your preference and beer style all has to do with exactly that, your preference, your taste buds. For me, uh, this touches on a little bit what you said about feeling the passion. For me, I I like a genuine, um, crafted, pure-crafted Pilsner. And it's a very hard style to craft, um, and it's been around for years. But to get it right, it's a very complex recipe. And people have tried and tried and tried, but they can't get it right. And that's why a lot of people ultimately end up – altering it because it's easier to alter it rather than to make it in its true form. So for me, that's kind of how I see the passion. But that's just a difference of of perspective and preference. And I think that's the most important thing. You don't have to be – to be a beer connoisseur, you don't have to be like, oh, I love that licorice stout that uh, Flying Monkeys just put out. You don't have to be like that. You could just – you could like simplistic beer styles. um, But – you know, it's all about supporting locals. And you'll be surprised that since they're not mass-produced beers, you'll find a lot of that passion and hard work in the taste of the beer. And I think that's the coolest part about going to craft breweries. And, you know, you'll hear me uh, as an advocate on this podcast for for local breweries. And you got to get out and you got to go meet the, the brewers, the headmasters, the owners. Because they, they always have such an incredible story. And you'll end up finding that the beer tastes better when you can maybe relate or you, you know the, the background for the beer. Do you agree?
1: I agree. I do enjoy drinking local when it's kind of like, as I said, it started for me out West when I would find like a local brewery that was maybe from Squamish or from Whistler. And then when I would get to drive up there with my girlfriend, we would actually go to this brewery and, and enjoy it. And you seem to, you go there for the food, you go there for the atmosphere. You're like, okay, I really enjoy this beer. What's their whole their whole restaurant like? What's their brewery like? And I, I always enjoyed that uh one, one brewery, I'm going to give them a shout-out, that particularly stands in mind uh, is Tofino Brewery & Company. I think that's what they were called, Tofino Brewing Company. I ended up buying a growler for them. I have it as a little souvenir, but they were fantastic. The atmosphere, it's like a warehouse. Uh, overall, just fantastic. It's definitely got this surfer vibe, as everything does in Tofino. And it was overall fantastic. But I just want to kind of touch on another thing you said and it's more about this preference of flavors and and how i'm not as i said i'm not a connoisseur but i like what i like and i think thinking back on it now i can see that this kind of all stems from starting with the cheap beer that is probably the most rundown, is the the least flavorful if you will i put air quotes on that yeah. <laughs> uh and i think as as i progress into this craft beer market i've noticed that i'm starting to like more bitter beers i'm starting to like more hoppy beers i'm starting to kind of venture farther and farther out from these traditional um, mainstream beers, as I'll keep calling them. And it doesn't mean I don't like them anymore. It just means that I think my, my taste for beer is definitely always growing. So who knows what beer I'm going to like in a couple months. Right now, I'm really on these IPAs and wheat beers, but you never know where it's going to end up.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. And I think that's a good uh, good note to flip on into our, our beer review. So, on that note, why don't we try uh, our beer that we're going to review today? Fantastic. So, we were just talking about uh, local breweries, and this brewery, brewer in particular, is from Hamilton, Ontario. So, that's about 20 minutes from where we're recording right now. Uh, So, it's nice and local. Um, I also picked this beer because I knew you were a lover of IPAs, uh, primarily uh, hoppy, uh, hazy IPAs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So this one is exactly that. It's Collective Arts. You may have heard of it, it's pretty world famous. Um, They make some great beer. Uh, And it's Life in the Clouds DDH IPA. Now the DDH uh, abbreviation there, I actually did talk about it just before we went to the review. And it stands for Double Dry Hopped. Now dry hopping is a process when you add the hops in after the boil. So basically, you take it off the boil and it's going into the fermentation process. You're going to add the hops in. And the the purpose is primarily for aroma. Uh, They do say that uh, it it can be uh, for a little bit of flavor, but primarily for the aroma. Uh, So this is double dry hopped, meaning they did it again. Uh, And there's something also called triple dry hopped. These things, DDH and, and TDH, don't actually have a true definition because there's no proper time that you should and shouldn't put in the hops. So it's really all up to the, the brewmaster's specifications. Um, but another thing before we dive into this, uh, I mentioned that it is a hazy IPA. And you asked me a question about East Coast, West Coast. Uh, what, what are all the differences? Well, this one in particular is actually uh, a New England IPA. So you're asking, what's that? So that actually has to do with that hazy factor that you like. Um, most beers that are are hazy are actually unfiltered which is this one. Um, and that exactly is, is something that differentiates all from the different styles. So back in the day, IPAs used to be uh, crystal clear. Uh, they, they would have their hoppy flavors and, and aroma, but they'd be crystal clear just like any other beer until you know if the style went all across the country. Uh, so this one in particular, New England uh, in Boston. So that's where that comes from. So really the name just depends on where it was brewed and the style they're using. There's like West Coast might have a different style. But if you want to know specifically East Coast, West Coast, British, New England, the key characteristics of each, that'll be for another episode. So we're going to have to come back. Um, So one last thing before I dive into this thing is this beer is a 2019 Canadian Brewing Awards gold medal winner for New England style IPA. So This is top of the podium stuff. This is – this I, I expect it to absolutely blow my mind. When I when I was researching a beer for for us to, to try, I, I was looking all over. I saw some other ones. I tried to do a British um, pale ale, but then I was like, okay, you know what? I'll I'll do something that should be right up his alley: New England style IPA. Number one, found it uh, at the the local LCBO here. That's the liquor store, and uh, I think some predictions for this beer is what I read up on is it's gonna be bright, it's gonna be bold, maybe some tones of citrus. Uh, I heard little undertones of melon, so that should be interesting. But my prediction is it's going to be pretty standard, um, really hoppy. And uh, what do you think?
1: I hope it has that kind of classic. I mean, I fully expect it will have that classic nice haze to it, which I always like seeing in a nice IPA. Um, I'm hoping for this kind of golden orangey look because I think that'll really – I find that a lot of citrus beers have that golden orange tinge to them. So I'm really hoping for that, uh, if it is going to be a citrus beer like not, like you said. If not, other than that, I'm actually just going in with uh, no expectations. Perfect. Open and, mind. And I'm excited just to try it. I, the, the artwork on this is fantastic. And yeah, it looks like each each label basically is done by a different artist. Yeah. Which Hence, Collective Arts. Collective Arts. They do arts. a great
0: job. And if you actually go to the brewery, they have a whole wall of their cans. And it's actually quite the sight to see. So one last thing. I know I keep saying this. One last thing before yeah. we record. well like, last thing. I just want to drink it. I know. I want you, this is going to be your honors, to read the stats. I want you to read the stats. Just read them from the top. So what do we got there at the top? Well, those are the the hops we're using.
1: Simcoe and Mosaic hops.
0: Beautiful. And, uh, unfiltered. Unfiltered. What else we got there?
1: Uh, from Hamilton, Ontario.
0: Okay. Can we get a percentile on the beer?
1: Uh, it is 6.1% and we have 473 milliliters here. And I also want you guys to know that on the can, it does let you know you can refund this or return for a refund where applicable.
0: Absolutely. And I think this is awesome because this is right up my alley about uh, classic IPA, how it should be 6.1%. Let's crack it open. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. Okay, beautiful. So grab our glass here. Um, So I mentioned in the first episode that I'm a huge believer in having the right glass for the beer. Now this is a proper IPA glass. And how do you know that, you ask? Well, this funneling, this coning right here in the in the shape, it's like a triangle, if the glass makes a triangle, that's all for the, the aroma. It, it's gonna channel all of that smell and bring it all the way up to the nose so you can get those bold flavors that an IPA promises. So give it a sniff. This, this
1: smells like, whew, this honestly right now, just having a sniff is actually bringing me back to sitting on a beach in Tofino. Wow. Uh, it actually is very much reminding me of that and it reminds me of a beer. I could tell you the exact beer I was drinking. Um, I won't because this is all about collective arts here. <laughs> but this, rem- just the aroma and the look itself reminds me exactly of that moment which was a fantastic moment in my life. So uh, right now, this beer is already off to a strong start.
0: Yeah, I can smell. I definitely actually can smell a little bit of melon but I get a blast of grapefruit. A blast of it. A lot of strong citrus. Let's taste. Wow. You know what? I do actually get a lot of this orange flavor. Like, to me, it's almost in a way like... Like, I get this alcoholic orange juice type taste. I was actually about
1: to say that. This has, like, almost like a very... I guess... it, it Like, it tastes... It's it's weird because I want to say it tastes like a flat orange juice. But at the same time, it's not flat because it's carbonated. Yeah, But it's almost like this really, really dumbed down alcoholic orange juice, which... Is honestly terrific. Like it, it, I don't know how to describe it. Like yeah. it, it, this is definitely different than I've ever had. Um, but I would actually put this up there with one of my favorite IPAs I've ever had. Well, I'm, I'm glad very I much, I'm very to. much enjoying it.
0: Yeah, I think it's really good. Uh, the color is blowing me away. I love that that pale. What is this? I mean, fun fact for you guys is I'm actually colorblind, so my colors might differ from you guys watching the videos uh, on Instagram. But I'm taking this as kind of like—I mean, you, like, said a, you said it's
1: a—you said it's a like gold medal winner. It's a gold medal winner, and that's a gold medal right that's there. Cool.
0: This is really good.
1: It's got a bit of an orange tinge. It's actually exactly like I thought it would look.
0: And it has it, you know. It has this nice, like, orange peel, like citrus peel uh, aftertaste that kind of lingers on your tongue. And I don't hate it. I don't think it's overly offensive. Um, I've had some really bad, uh, super hoppy beers, and they—they they linger, and it's you just kind of want to wash your mouth out. But this is beautiful.
1: I think it's kind of perfect. It kind of lingers the just right amount that it lasts just long enough until you want to take another sip.
0: And I think the beauty of this is it, I don't find this completely sessional. I find it that I could drink maybe. I could drink a six-pack of this, I think. I think uh, so, too. Especially on a hot summer day. Um, you were, we're in the midst now of uh, getting into the spring. So this would be perfect.
1: If I had to score this beer, I would say this beer – is the the definition Ooh. of going to a brewery patio on a nice summer day? Wow! After spending maybe a little outing at a ball game with some friends.
0: Wow, that's painting a picture. I can I see really it.
1: think this is what like I would order
0: during golden hour.
1: During golden hour, like. You kind of have that 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 maybe that eight o'clock sun. It's still up, but it's kind of starting to set a little bit.
0: You got a nice glow on your face. You're like feeling you,
1: good. You're starting yeah. to get a little tired, a little bit of heat stroke kicking you, in. This
0: picks you back up. You know? This is just it. It relaxes like it.
1: you, but picks you up just yeah. enough.
0: So we can dive into the scores. So let me tell you something. It's a bit different. If you guys are familiar with the three guys in a pool shed scoring system, um, I talked about it in the first episode. It's not like that here. We don't do sixty. Sixty. 60 is a very diverse scale, specifically designed for three guys in a pool shed. Scientifically designed. So here on the Craft Beer Talk Show, we do classic out of 10. Um, really, it's kind of obvious, you know, the aroma, the taste, the color, all those things come into play. Give me your score. You go first. Let's go first. Let me
1: take one more sip. Okay. I'm going to give this a flat. A flat 9 out of 10. A
0: flat 9.
1: I wanted to give it an 8.9, took that sip, bumped me up to a 9.1. I had to split the difference at a 9 there. Okay. And uh, I think Collective Arts did a fantastic job with this beer. I think if I said anything lower, I'd be lying to the viewers and myself, where after the first sip, I literally said, this is one of my favorite beers I've <laughs> ever had. So it's definitely in a 9 for me.
0: I'm going to go with 8.8. 8.
1: Don't ever fucking disrespect <laughs> my brewing company <laughs> like that.
0: 8.8. Uh, 8. That's a good score, man. That's a that's a really high score. And I think, honestly, a lot of IPAs I'd have would, would be in the 7.5, 7.6 um, 7. area. So I think that's really high because there are a lot of people who – they're not necessarily maybe appealing for the mass public. They're doing it to create a super crazy fun beer. So – in terms of the style, that might lo- that might score a bit lower if I find it a little bit of offensive uh, taste. But this is spot on. It's beautiful, honestly. This is kind of the beer that I would you know introduce to my girlfriend, and I think she would like it. So,
1: I mean, I'm going to be honest. I came on here when you told me there was a review portion. I came on really wanting to give a low score. I didn't want to be known as an easy reviewer. Uh, so the fact that I even went up to nine Collective Arts... You, you nailed this one.
0: Wow. Well, hats off to you, Collective Arts. Go check them out at Collective Arts Brewing on uh, Instagram. And give them a follow. And also give us a follow on uh, Craft Beer Talk Show. Uh, we'll be posting this uh, this review up shortly. And uh, it was a blast to have you, Ryan. Thanks for coming out. Uh, I'm glad that you like the beer. I'm glad that I could impress you.
1: I think you, you surpassed my expectations. And just for that, I'm going to subscribe to your podcast.
0: Oh, that's really mean. (laughs) And one last thing before we go. I am also on an app. This is kind of the the last note I want to make before I send off. I am on an app called Untapped, And this app is basically uh, a brewer's rating app. You go to the brewery or a restaurant where you try the pine or you can rate the beer in particular. And you give it a score just like we do here uh, on the podcast. And you can put notes and, and describe different things about it. It's really fun. Now. A lot of craft beer enthusiasts don't like the app for one reason. They think that people, essentially how I said, if if they had a stout and they didn't like stouts, they would rate the beer really low. And now this app does have an effect on, on these local uh, businesses where people will, will look on the app. It's It's quite popular and maybe won't choose to go for that beer, but it's not a knock at the style. It's it's. A knock of this person's preferences. So, my goal to be uh, to you guys is to be as true as possible on Untapped. Um, give 100% accurate score based on that style. If I have a stout, uh, I'll rate it as a stout. If I have a logger, rate it as a logger. Uh, and therefore, I think the app is great. So, log on Untapped. You can follow me at Craft Beer Talk Show. Um, and that's kind of the last thing, Ryan. Right? Any last words? Uh, just on that untapped thing you said,
1: I mean, if you don't like stouts, don't order a stout. Don't order a stout. Like for me, I don't like stouts. I'm not going to go on this untapped thing, order a stout and be like, wow, this place sucks.
0: Don't trash a beer for the sake of it. Get something you like so you can give it, you know, hopefully a positive score. And if it's, if you find that it's, it's not up to your standards, then, you know, you can be honest, but don't do something purposefully just out of spite for, for your preferences. But anyways, uh, until next time, I'm Matt Salish, your host for Craft Beer Talk Show, and cheers.